Good morning. Welcome to Connection. Uh, just to let you know if you're newer here and if you are here for a while, just to remind you why we exist. We're here to make disciples of Jesus, mentor you in the ways of Jesus, and then mobilize you to turn around and help other people become disciples of Jesus, followers, students, apprentices. And the reason we point everything towards Jesus is because he's the reason we're here. This is his church. We are his assembly. We believe Jesus is simply the smartest person who has ever lived. He is the wisest, greatest teacher who the world has ever seen. He has the wisdom of God available for anyone who listened to him. And so without any apology at all, I fully invite you to trust your whole life to him. And many of you have, and some of you are considering that. And I would say it's the best thing you would ever do is to give him complete control and lordship of your life. He's just that good. We just focus on him in every way. Now here's something, even if you're familiar with Jesus, maybe you're not, something you would maybe want to know about him is he is also a phenomenal storyteller. We're going to look at some of the stories that Jesus told in this series. Have I got a story for you? If you have a Bible, uh, I would invite you right now to turn to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be in Matthew for the next several weeks. If you don't have a Bible, have I got a Bible for you? You need to go to the hub after services and say, I need one of those free Bibles that Brian was talking about, and we'll hook you up with that, because there's just something about seeing things on paper. And I know it's great to use the smartphone. If you've got one, please do. If you're watching online, you're, this offer is for you, too. If you need a Bible and we can ship one to you, we'd be happy to do that. And welcome, by the way, to all of you who are engaged with us online. So Matthew chapter 13, feel free to look at the table of contents if you need to to find that. This is an example of one of the stories that Jesus told. It says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake and a large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got in a boat. There he sat and taught as the people stood on the shore. I like that. Can I sit down and you stand up while I teach? Is that okay with you? It's just the way they did it back then. Uh, he told them many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, and as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, and the seeds sprouted up quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. Since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds, though, fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And this is just one of the many, many stories that Jesus told. In fact, he told a whole lot more stories that day. Keep going down, down into Matthew chapter 13. We're going to go back to the parable of the seed and the sower in a second, but let's just see what else he told. Matthew 13, 24, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven's like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Hmm, what's going to happen there? Matthew 13, 31, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. How does that one turn out? Matthew 13, 33, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour till she'd worked it all through the dough. I smell pizza. Jesus' preferred way to teach the crowds was to teach through parables, through stories. And if you're unfamiliar with a parable, what exactly is that? I was taught when I was very young, and it's always stuck with me, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Real simple. On one level, Jesus tells a story that everyone understands. Oh, I get it. It's like a farmer who's out there planting seed. A lot of people in an agrarian society knew all about that. So it has a, a simple meaning 
And if you only want to get the simple meaning of the story, you just go, Jesus told a great story. But there was always with Jesus an underlying meaning. And if you dug at it, it's kind of like beef jerky. You got to chew on it a little while to get something out of it. But if you would, there was a heavenly meaning that you could unpack that Jesus is trying to give you insight as a wise and good teacher. So sometimes Matthew uh, makes it clear that when Jesus would teach, he would use parables a lot. In fact, he exclusively talked to the crowds with parables. He did this a lot. Matthew 13, 34. So you're still in chapter 13 here. Jesus always used stories and illustrations. The word is literally parables. He used these stories and illustrations like these when he was speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to the crowd without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. So Jesus' preferred method for teaching the masses of people was to tell these stories, these parables, earthly stories with the heavenly meaning. In fact, he wouldn't teach without him when he was talking to the big crowds. It makes me curious, though. Why would Jesus tell stories that may or may not have been understood by the people who were hearing them? Isn't there a risk there? If you're the world's greatest teacher, the people are going to walk away not getting the point. Why was he willing to take this risk? Why would he tell these stories that a lot of people are going to go, hey, cool story, I don't know what he's talking about, but, I mean, it's a good story. Why would he do that? And you know, Jesus' students, his closest disciples, had the exact same question, Matthew 13, 10. The disciples came to Jesus and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And the implication is, you don't talk to us like that, you just tell us stuff. Jesus replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Does that make you start to think Jesus might be a little bit discriminatory? Just hold on to that thought. Jesus goes on. He says, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they'll have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And I get it if you're thinking, wait a minute, it sounds to me like Jesus is intentionally being obscure. You know, he's, he's hiding the point from people. How would that be if I go to God and I'm really looking for answers? I want to know, God. I've got questions about some things I don't understand about life. And you say, God, can you help me figure this out? And he goes, yeah, let me tell you a story. And he doesn't explain the story, and he walks away. Okay, thanks. How did that help? I feel like more confused than I did before. I still believe that Jesus is the wisest uh, person who's ever lived, and I also think that he is a genius at using this teaching technique. And I'll walk you through why I think that. And, uh, you know, you and I can agree to disagree, but I think there's something here that's at play that's bigger than just Jesus telling a story and maybe confusing some people. Why would he not just speak simply and plainly in a way that everyone can understand? That's a question we need to figure out. And I think part of the answer to that is just think about how many different people came to listen to Jesus at different stages of their faith, at different places in their relationship to God. We start to get a clue of this if you go back to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 1. I have a theory. This is actually the place where we started. How did the day start? Matthew 13, 1. It says, Later that day, Jesus left the, house and sat, left the house and sat by the lake, and a large crowd gathered around him. I don't know how you envision. Jesus preached and taught for three years. When he turned 30, he became a rabbi. He was crucified when he was 33. For the three years, he had these... Just picture Jesus. I don't know what you think of him in your mind. Just picture that 30-year-old dude. Now imagine who's hanging around him. He had 12 disciples that he called to be his apostles. 
They were the inner core. So they always were by him, literally. They never let him, and sometimes Jesus would go off and pray by himself, but they always went with him whenever they could. So you got the 12 guys around Jesus, maybe picture it like a circle around him. They had family. They had people who also followed Jesus who weren't selected to be the 12. But the 12 gave up jobs for three years to go follow Jesus. Their families went with them. Other people chose to do that too. There were probably as many as 100, 120, 150 people, if you have Jesus at the center of the circle, all around him were pretty committed to him. They'd given up a lot to follow him. They literally walked wherever he went. But as you go further out, like that day when Jesus was at the house and the crowd showed up, there were times when thousands of people would show up to listen to Jesus. Just imagine standing in the center of a circle like you're at the ball game or you're at the race, wherever you're at, and you just see like a sea of people. They're all there to listen to Jesus. And the further out you go, there were times where there were tens of thousands of people to listen to Jesus. The further out you went, the less committed they were. Let's just be honest. Those people who maybe came from Jerusalem or they came from their town to come listen to Jesus and they're way out there, they would have been just as happy to go see the circus that came to town as they were to go see Jesus. They'd heard some rumors about this miracle worker who's doing these crazy things and healing people and casting out demons. I'm sure there were a lot of people who genuinely went to Jesus because they wanted to hear word from God. They needed a healing. They were there with good motives, but a lot of those people were just there to see a show. They just wanted to see what the big deal was about. Maybe they heard the rumor that Jesus had fed 5,000 people and they wanted to get in on some of that food themselves. I don't know, but here's the problem that Jesus faced as a teacher, and you're maybe starting to get an idea of it. How do you talk to people who are so willing to do whatever you say, the inner core, but then also talk to people who really aren't even sure where they're at? They were just following a good group of people who were on their way to do something and it sounded like fun. How do you communicate to all of them at the same time and try to all bring them to a certain point where they realize something that they need to hear and maybe even didn't know they needed to hear? See, because what Jesus, and I say he's a good teacher, do you know what the measure of a teacher is? And if you think it's so, like the teacher did a great job if everyone in the class gets an A and there's no red check marks on their paper. Do they even do that anymore? My students, do anybody put check marks on your papers when you're in class? No, good, because that's a horrible thing, slam against your self-esteem. But uh, I saw a lot of that, a lot of red on my papers. Teacher doesn't hope just that you get an A on the class that you can regurgitate all the information. A teacher's job is not done until a life has been changed. That's especially true for me as a pastor. Any teacher, youth sponsor here in this church, anybody who's leading a small group, I don't think Jesus was happy if somebody came to hear him speak and they went at the end of it, great job, Jesus, that was awesome. I just can't believe I got to hear that today. I'm so pumped up. I'm gonna go back and double my sales and I'm gonna go back and have a... He didn't care that people thought he was a great speaker and an awesome storyteller. Jesus genuinely wanted to transform people's lives. He wanted people who kept banging their head against the wall but didn't realize they were doing it to help them stop, to quit doing all these self-sabotaging things that we all do to ourselves because of sin. And he wanted to help us move from death to life. So as a teacher, he's not there to entertain that crowd. He's there to save them. And he's got these people in the crowd who don't even know that yet. So how does he communicate to them? He tells them a sticky story. And the whole difference between the committed core and the casual crowd is how open are they to hearing the truth that he has? 
people out there aren't very committed to hearing it, but he's gonna tell them something that'll stick with them long enough for them to get home and keep thinking about it, that they won't forget. They'll remember the story about, yeah, he talked about some guy who was planting seeds, I don't know. And over the next several months, they continue to think about what did he mean by that? So the difference really comes down to what Jesus said at the end of that story. If you have ears to hear, listen. And I don't mean, can you hear me in the back? Am I talking loud enough? I mean, are you paying attention to what I'm saying to you? Because I'm giving you straight from God truth. In fact, Jesus would say, I am God. I'm telling you exactly what I think about stuff. Are you hearing me? Are you willing to correct when you realize that what I'm telling you disagrees with one thing you've always thought? Are you listening? Pastor Lee Eckloff talks about a conversation he overheard at his church. I think it was probably in their lobby of the church. It was a dad calling to his first grade son. Lee, Lee, where are you? Lee, come here. Finally, dad is right in front of Lee and says, Lee, are you not listening to me? Did you not hear me? I didn't hear you, dad. Lee, how many times did you not hear me? I don't know, three or four times. (laughs) I feel a little triggered by that. I think I was Lee a little bit in my life. How about you? I mean, there's a difference between hearing something and actually paying attention. And that's the difference Jesus is talking about here in this story. I mean, you hear the words, but are you really listening? Are you taking it to heart? Jesus told them these stories. Maybe they don't get it immediately, but they'll get it eventually. Uh, Like that first story, let's go back because Jesus actually explains it to us. He says, now listen, this is verse 18 of chapter 13. Listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting the seeds. By the way, I need to pause here. Jesus had gone back in the house and the disciples had come in and said, hey, can you explain this story to us? Because we just don't get it. So he says, all right, I'll explain it to you guys. Listen to the explanation about the parable of the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and they don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Now the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. This is a story about listening to the word of God and taking it seriously putting it into action in your life, not just going, well, that was a great story. I feel better for having heard that story, but to say, hmm, that hurts in a way that I didn't expect it to. I feel convicted in a way that I didn't think I would. In fact, I don't think I like this, but you keep wrestling with it, and you realize, I think God's right, which, let's just be honest, anytime you and God disagree, he's right. You just got to come to a place, and I've had to come to a place where I've had to see that so many times. So this is what what he's saying here, that see, just picture an old-time farmer He's got like a bag slung across his body and he's got seeds in there and he pulls out a handful of seeds and he's casting it back and forth as he's walking up and down the roads of his field. And this is, the seed is like the good news of Jesus. It's the the news about the kingdom of God. It's the, the gospel that God loves you and Jesus is for you, not against you and he'll forgive all of your sins if you'll ask him to and let him. So there's nothing wrong with the seed. It's truth. It's good news. It's amazing news. And the person who's the farmer spreading it, well, first of all, that's Jesus. He's telling the good news about his kingdom that's here now. It's available. It's an option to you. But then if you go and you talk to your neighbor, you invite a friend or a coworker to, to, to consider Jesus, you talk about your faith in him, 
you're also sharing the seed. You're planting it. And then there are the four different kinds of soil that the seed hits. Like there's the trodden down path and there's the thorny and the rocky and the good soil. That's different people's hearts. It literally is how people receive truth when it comes into their life and when it hits their eardrums. It's just a genius story Jesus tells because people respond to truth in a variety of ways. Some people, Jesus said, hear the word, but it doesn't make an impact on them at all. You know, it's just kind of a waste of their time. Some people accept the word, but they give up when things get difficult. Uh, some people accept the word, but they don't stick with it because things get tough or there's some temptation that draws them away from it. Some people accept the word and they put it into practice and they flourish and they thrive. And I hope that's you. I hope you're a person who is just committed to when Jesus says something, I'll do whatever he says. If he says stop doing it, I won't. Because we have a variety of responses to truth. And you know this. And this actually, this story fits with things other than just the good news gospel of Jesus. It fits in a variety of contexts. Anytime that you're in a place or someone else is in a place where they're being told the truth, they can have one of four responses to it. You ever been sitting in a doctor's office and he told you something you didn't want to hear about exercising or stopping smoking or something dumb like that? And you're like, right? One of four responses to hard truth. Maybe you're sitting in a financial advisor's office or in a financial class and you're hearing some things that maybe pinch and hurt and you know there's going to be some changes, but you know the goal is really to help you, but then what you do with that information you're being given is a response to truth that's being shared with you. Maybe someone loves you enough to have a hard conversation with you about things they see, patterns in your life, like you're heading in the wrong direction, they got the guts up to tell you. How do you respond to that? We many times have situations where truth is being shared with us, and it's, it's so easy just to go, well, yeah, of course, I'm a good soil person. <laughs> it, are we? This is a safe place, and this, you come to a worship service, so take the opportunity to avail yourself of what's happening here. This is a moment where you can have an intimate, personal conversation with God. You're surrounded by people who love and care for you. This is a great time to open your heart up and just say, God, I'm willing to hear what you have to say to me, even if I don't like it. And maybe you need to tell me if I've been doing a bad job of listening to you up to this point and just wait for what you hear because many times we're not. Uh, was, I was thinking about a story I heard. There's a businessman who is late for an important meeting in downtown all the parking garages were full or closed, and he's just panicking because he had to make this presentation or whatever, so he's looking for street parking. Good luck with that. And finally, he just starts desperately praying, Lord, I've got to find a place to park so I can get to this meeting. Can you help me out here? No spots are opening, so he starts bargaining with God. You ever done that? So it's like, okay, I will go to church Sunday if you help me. Another trip around the block. Okay, I'll go to church Sunday, and I will quit and just about then a parking spot's opening up and he just goes right in he goes never mind found one myself <laughs> yeah. yeah how are you doing at listening yeah. one of the greatest ironies ever is that the people that should have been the, the quickest to embrace Jesus 2,000 years ago the ones who knew the Bible better than I ever will the Old Testament of the Bible for them they were many times last in line to follow Jesus. Uh, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the teachers of the law, the scribes, man, they knew so much about God, but when God actually showed up, they actually tried to kill him and did kill him. They, sh they, they, they had truth right in front of them, and they killed the author of life because they refused to open their heart and accept it. 
Remember back in Matthew 13, 1, which says later that day? That should be a tip-off to you. Matthew's telling a story that's happening in the afternoon, and you should be going, well, what happened earlier in the day? And I would invite you to maybe sometime just go back to Matthew chapter 12 and see what happened earlier in the day and earlier in the week. And there was a lot, including several encounters between Jesus and the Pharisees, the people who knew the Bible backwards and forwards, and Jesus had to correct them on some of their ideas about what truth was, and they didn't like that. He got in their face about some things and they started making plans to kill him because they would not listen to the truth when it was right there in front of him, them. Which is why if you go back to Matthew 13, verse 13, it says, Jesus says, this is why I use parables. People like that who've got a hard heart, they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you won't understand. When you see what I do, you'll not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. And here's the saddest part of all. They can't turn to me and let me heal them. It's all God wants for you. It's literally why Jesus came here to this earth, to set people free from what has imprisoned them, to give you a life where there's only been death before. He just wants to fix what's wrong with all of us. He loves you that much. And you would think that we would respond to that kind of love with open arms and gratefulness. And instead, we find reasons to argue and tell God why he's wrong. And this is not in your best interest. I'm just saying this as a pastor. I care for all of you. And I care that all of us together are keeping our hearts open to listen to God. I want you to know this. It is a dangerous thing to hear the whole truth and not respond to it wholeheartedly. Because every time Jesus tells you the truth and you decide, I'm not going to do that, your heart becomes a little bit harder. You're ignoring God speaking to you. Do you want to get to the place where over time you just learn to ignore God? I don't think you want that, but that's what a lot of people end up doing willfully when they say, I think you're wrong or I don't want to deal with this right now. So what does Jesus do when people are not as open to the truth as they need to be? Again, you tell a sticky story. You don't get in someone's face and just yell at them and lambast them. You tell them a story that gets stuck in their gum like a popcorn hull, and they can't let go of it, and their tongue keeps going up there, and your mind keeps working through those things that Jesus said, and you want to be mad at him, and you want to prove how he's wrong, but you can't. This is genius, genius. And if you'll listen to him, you don't even have to go through that phase. You can just be a person who says, I will listen, and I will obey immediately. Pastor Erwin McManus talks about the time that his junior high son went to church camp, and Erwin, being a pastor, he grabbed another guy from staff who also had kids at church camp that week, and they all went to go see their kids. It was like Wednesday, and his son had actually gotten in a fight earlier that day, and fortunately, his friends had pulled him back, so he didn't get kicked out of camp, but he decided he didn't want to be at camp anymore, so fortunately for him, in his mind, dad showed up. He already had his stuff packed. He was ready to go home now, dad. Well, Erwin said, buddy, can we just go talk about this first before you go? So they went out by the lake at this beautiful camp, sat on a couple of rocks, and he said, buddy, what happened? And his son told him, and he said, do you think that maybe there's something God wants you to do here? In fact, do you know, is there something in your mind or your conscience? He said, yeah, yeah I think God is actually telling me to uh, apologize and stay. And uh, Erwin said, that, number one, first of all, that is cool. You actually, this is the first time in your life that God said something to you through your conscience, right? And he said, yeah. But then he said, but dad, I'm not going to do it. 
Erwin is a, just a patient dad. I mean, he's playing ahead of himself at this point. He just said, okay, fine. But can I say something to you first? This is, you're telling me this is the first time you recognize the voice of God in your life and you're gonna tell him no? You wanna just go ahead and do the math on where that takes you? When you stop listening to God, he stops speaking to you. Or if he does, your heart is so hard, you don't recognize it anymore. And you just think about, do you want your life to become a place that is filled with decisions you made without God's input? Do you really want to go through life not listening to the one who cares about you most and will give you wisdom that you would never have made those good decisions on your own? I just want you to think about it. There will come a point in your life where maybe you won't walk away from God, but you will certainly not be as aware of what he is doing in your life as you could be. And so he just let his son think about that. Unfortunately for his son, he decided to go ahead and stick it out at camp and uh, it turned out to be, a, over time, a great adult. And I don't know if he would have, like, walked away from his faith. Who knows? We don't any of us know what would happen if we'd chosen other things. But because he chose to listen to God's voice, he was more open the next time that God spoke to him. I want you to have that kind of a experience right now. So you are here listening to this right now, so you're already moving in the right direction. If you're like ready to beat yourself up and say, well, I just ignore God and it can never be better for me. Yes, it can. You're in a place right now where you are listening to the word of God. And right now you have a choice. You can do something with this. You can say, God, I am listening and I am ready to do something with what you shared with me. Maybe for you this morning, you need to just start getting into the garden and you need to start throwing the rocks out. You need to start pulling weeds. You just need to be more open to what God is communicating to you and telling you that you need to do. Maybe for you, the thing you need to do is just for the first time ever, open your heart to Jesus. Because the beauty of this story is that it allows you to shine a light on your own heart and allow God to show you things. The, the word of God is like a mirror and you can look into it and see things that you would never have picked up on your own. And you can do something with it. And I would invite you to do something with what you're hearing today even to the extent of if you've never really committed to Jesus before, that you do that today. And that's literally why we're here. We're here to connect you to Jesus and we'll help you do it. And so many hundreds of other Connection Christians have done this. And maybe today is the day for you to do that. If you suspect you've been ignoring God, it's time to come back to him. I have one last thing I wanna share with you. I know it can get discouraging, and you may look around like, man, okay, I'm the only loser here. Look at all these other wonderful people at this church, which is not true. We're all, <laughs> we're all trying to figure this out as we go. But if you feel like, man, I know about this much of the Bible, like page one, that's about as much as I've accomplished. I will tell you this, in God's perspective, he would much rather you know this much of the Bible so far and be doing this much of the Bible than to be someone who's been studying the Bible this long and you know much of this, this much of the Bible you're only doing this much with what you know. And Jesus tells these stories because he desperately wants you to open your heart to the truth. He's not trying to hide the truth from you. He's giving you the freedom to choose how much you listen. He's giving you the freedom to use your free will to act on what he's sharing with you. This morning, it's your chance to hear and obey Jesus. I'd like to pray for you right now. Father, we, um, I'm going to just say for me at least, I'm thankful that you tell us the truth about our lives and about the things that we are doing that maybe uh, aren't in our best interest. 
the ways that we sin and disappoint you, that you only tell us the truth not to condemn us, but to show us that we can be set free from the things that enslave us, that our lives can be so much different and so much better in your kingdom. Uh, I pray that you will just help us to not only hear your word of truth, but Jesus, that you will help us to put it into practice, that through your Holy Spirit, we'll be empowered to do things we can never do on our own. I pray for us just to be a place where we accept each other and we don't judge one another while you're changing things in our lives that we're patient with each other and we make room for each other and, and allowance for each other's faults. And that in every way, this will be a community that we're not perfect and we know it, but we're trying and we're moving in the right direction and that you will find, Father, that we are obedient to you. I, I ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.